Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning. Thanks very much for dialing into our first half 2023 results webinar. I'm John Jala, CEO of the business. I'm joined by Johan Olivier on my right, the CFO. First of all, really pleased to be announcing the results under our new name, Nextech. This sets out the uh, the company's strategy for becoming a diversified uh, multi-sector technology business, uh, moving out from just the pure gaming play uh, that the company started with when we were branded as, as Quixent. Uh, that took place in May of this year, that rebrand and uh, company name change. Um, and now going forward, that sets out our path as a, as a multi-sector business. Going forward, the overview of the company. So just a bit of a recap, we're an aim-listed technology business. We enable customers in certain selected vertical markets to outsource non-core aspects of their products to us. What that enables them to do is to focus on the parts of their business or the parts of their products, which really differentiate and drive their commercial success. We've deployed that strategy within gaming already, and that's where the company started. And now as we go forward and drive our growth strategy, we're all about driving that into other markets. And we enable that outsourcing of non-core aspects of their products by combining several engineering disciplines, uh, computer hardware design, software development, uh, display and mechanical engineering expertise, combined with uh, knowledge or domain knowledge of the industries uh, in which we focus. And what that means is it's a really easy decision for customers within those markets uh, to, to outsource to us and, um, and focus on matters, what matters most to their business. We generate a lot of IP, so we've got 22 patents granted and 28 trademarks, around 240 employees around the business, operations in seven countries globally and customers in 50, so a really truly multinational business. And our average employee tenure is six years, so a stable workforce as well. And we've also had a historically strong track record of growth. So 19% casual in revenues up to full year 22. And just a sort of a bit of a flavor around our sector positioning, which is broadly unchanged uh, in the first half of this year versus last year. Gaming is about 60% of our business with broadcast about 7% and growing fast. Medical about 8%. And there's a whole handful of other sectors that we supply HMI solutions to, which is about 25% of the company. So first half of the year, a few key highlights. So a strong financial performance. So saw revenue growth in both the strategic gaming and broadcast sectors. That combined with a materially improved profitability with gross margins returning towards historic high levels. And that drove up profitability significantly at a bottom line. Also, as many companies are seeing, we've seen the order book normalizing, and this really reflects an easing of supply lead times. So lead times were extremely uh, extended through 2021 and 2022 with the supply chain crisis. That's now started to ease and we've seen lead times coming back to normal levels. That's led customers towards normalization of the order book that they place with us and, and more typical levels of visibility. Uh, we've also uh, been successful in driving execution of our growth strategy, so measurable progress within the broadcast sector, uh, investments into that space to uh, resource it with uh, the right headcount, uh, and then also successfully delivering you know, aspects of our gaming uh, growth strategies we penetrate up the value stack. And we've now returned to a strong cash generation within the first half after drawdowns last year, and that's led us to extend our net cash position. I'll now hand over to Johan, who's going to take you through some more detail on the financial highlights. Thanks, John, and uh, good morning, everyone. 
Uh, this slide just sets out some of the financial highlights of the first half of this year compared to the first half of 22. And as John said, a strong performance by the group. A couple of the highlights, revenue of $56 million, up 6% year over year. Gross margin of 34.2%, good improvement compared to the first half of last year. And that, coupled with the improved profit of $5.9 million, meant that we were able to increase our earnings per share by 77% to uh, 7.2 cents per share. And then also pleasing to see good operating cash flows of 6.3 million, which contributed to an improvement in our net cash up to 18.5 at the end of June. Just specifically looking at group revenues, as I said, 56.3 million the first half, up 6%. Within those revenues, the contribution from our top 10 customers was 52%, so down from 60% in the second half of last year and 54% in the first half of last year. So progress made there. Looking outside of our top 10 customers, those customers actually grew by double digits this year as we continue to focus on diversifying the business. Looking ahead with our new business wins, we expect to see further diversification in future reporting periods. Just breaking down the revenues by division, starting with Quixen on the left, $34.3 million in the first half, up 9% on the first half of last year. That growth was entirely volume-driven, as we've seen an increase of 13% in our gaming platform sales with good demand across all of our product ranges. In addition to that, we've also seen the first cabinet deliveries completed in the first half of this year. And with the cabinets, we expand our product range and our addressable market to further grow our, our, gaming, our gaming base. And then moving on to Denstron on the right, in line with first half of last year with $22 million. Within that, our core display components business had a slight decline due to somewhat weaker demand due to broader economic concerns. And then offsetting that uh, was a broadcast, which grew 10% um, as we saw uh, a ramp up of customers that we've won over the last couple of years in that business. Just moving on to gross margins, this slide sets out gross margin as percentage of revenue for the first half of this year compared to the last few years. And you can see the trend there of improvement continuing into the first half of this year, really accelerating to 34.2%, well above the levels that we saw last year and now in line with the levels that we saw pre-pandemic. This improvement really twofold. In the first part, within Denstone specifically, uh, there's been a focus on higher margin business. Um, so that's drove... Uh, Denstrom margins up year over year combined with the higher proportion of broadcast business, which comes at a higher margin than the rest of the, uh, the, the Denstrom uh, sales, um, meant that we were able to deliver the best Denstrom gross margin performance since acquisition in, in 2015. And then secondly, um, on both the Denstrom and gaming side, we've seen a continuation of the, the, the trend that we started to see last year in terms of leveling off in component pricing, which um, allowed the effects of the price rises that we put through in 2021 and 2022 to combat the inflation to flow through in the in the PL and positively impact our margins. Again, looking ahead, um, we, we 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 expect gross margins to to improve further in the medium term as we execute on our strategy. Just moving on to profit before tax, and there's the bridge between the two half years with $5.9 million delivered in the first half of this year, up 70% in the first half of last year. Really two key reasons for that increase on the first. Firstly, improved trading with higher sales, improved gross margin, adding $2.6 million to our profits. We then also saw a modest FX gain in the first half of this year. But when compared to the FX losses that we incurred in the first half of last year, along with the stronger US dollar year over year, meant that FX contributed $2.2 million to the increased profits when compared to the first half of 2022. 
Offsetting that was an increase in, um, in overheads, um, principally uh, additional headcount that, that we brought into the business, um, most of those around engineering and commercial roles in the broadcast uh, sector as we, as we drive growth in that business. Alongside that, we've seen an increase in uh, travel entertainment costs um, and marketing costs as those activities return to normal and compared to the first half of last year, which is still somewhat muted as we were coming out of out of the pandemic with some restrictions still in place. And then just more broadly in overheads, we've seen that increase year over year um, due to the impact of inflation. Uh, as we look ahead to the second half of the year, I don't expect um, any significant increases in our overhead base, um, apart from just the, the annualization um, of the, the headcount cost for those new hires, hires that, uh, that came in in the first half. Bottom left shows our profit before tax as a percentage of our revenues. The margin increasing in the first half of the year compared to the second half of last year and also compared to the first half of last year. So continuing with that trend of improvement. And in the medium term, it remains a focus to get back those mid-teen levels of margins that we saw pre-pandemic. And then finally, just in terms of our net cash, we finished the half year at $18.5 million, up 43% on the start of the year. Principally, that was due to the improved trading, and we were able to generate cash from operations of $8.3 million in the first half. We had modest working capital outflows of $1.5 million. That was predominantly around trade and other payables as we were settling balances that were accrued um, at the end of last year. That was offset by continued good collections. So our debtors was down compared to the end of last year. And we also saw a decrease in our stock levels. Um, within our stock, there was a good decrease in raw materials. And that was somewhat offset by an increase in finished goods, which we held at the end of the half for delivery to customers in the second half of the year. Looking ahead, the outlook for the remainder of 2023 is continued good operating cash flows. Just want to note that we did pay a, a dividend of $2.5 million in, in August, um, which was a 25% increase year over year. Uh, and then specifically around capital allocation, our approach there uh, remains unchanged. Um, we, we prioritize having a strong balance sheet because that means having sufficient liquidity um, so that we, we have the, the funds to invest in the business to drive both organic um, and acquisitive growth. And with that, I'll hand back to John. Thanks, Johan. So I thought it might be interesting to, now with our newly branded Nextec business, to look at how the company's positioned in the sectors in which it services. So our growth strategy is all about identifying uh, key focus markets in which we can develop high, high quality product, high value product. Uh, and then having landed customers in them and acquired customers in those markets, we then seek to expand up the value chain through focused R&D efforts. And within that, if we look within the gaming sector, which, of course, as I said at the beginning, is our first market that we did this in, we have now got products and customers, which we've now penetrated through all of those aspects of the value chain. So we have the computing aspects of it. We have the HMI, which stands for Human Machine Interface which is the control interface between people and machine. We also have software, which is deployed within those customers. And with our cabinet solutions, we now have a turnkey offering whereby a gaming customer can essentially fully outsource all of their hardware to us. And they then just focus on the game design uh, itself, which is their core differentiator. And the game design is a part where we, we, we consider that to be sacred to our customers. We would never get involved in that. Uh, aspect of of um, the the value stack because that's the bit that drives their commercial set success. 
So within gaming, we have now penetrated all the way through that value stack. What we clearly haven't done yet is penetrated into all of the customers in which we could do that. So there's still headroom to grow within gaming through further penetration of new business uh, within all of those aspects. But we have product offerings which tick all of those boxes. The second focus sector where we've operated is in broadcast. And in broadcast, we don't do any computing, principally because that's typically sort of servers that are located in data centers. And that market is something where we don't play because it's a very competitive marketplace with some extremely big players that we wouldn't want to compete with. But we do have and focus a lot of our innovation around HMI, which is where we have um, the, the human machine interface for broadcast equipment um, developed with bespoke solutions, which allow the blend of, of touchscreen technology, which is becoming increasingly widespread within broadcast combined with tactile objects and tactile objects being a way in which you make a touch screen have feel as well as a as well as a, a visual feedback from uh, from the screen and that's incredibly important for broadcast applications where often uh, operators are working with these devices without using their site they're looking at other things while they're operating the devices so so we blend touchscreen technology which is of course much more flexible with with tactile objects which are um, suitable for that non-visual uh, operation we also within broadcast have a software product which is called ids and that allows customers to control all of the devices from theirs and third-party equipment and we've also been involved in turnkey solutions where we actually help to design broadcast customers own products themselves so within broadcast we've now got uh, you know quite a lot of that range in place there's a lot of growth now where we're all about converting customers and then getting those customers into into revenue and into um into their full run rate and and that's that growth we've seen in the first half of this year and we expect to continue going forward is all about that further ramp up of those customers the other sectors that we service i called out medical at the beginning but there's also a much longer tail of sectors we service is principally around the component sales and that's where densitron has been very strong in the past and this is display components where the customers seek to ask us to help them to identify the best display technology that will enable their products to be used in the applications that they use for. So whether it's a, a solar power generator that's located in the desert, or whether it's an industrial machine that's in a dusty environment, we understand the display architectures that are best suited to that application, and we can help them to identify um, that, that technology. And we then work with selected um, third-party suppliers that provide that uh, technology to the customers. So if we just go through these key sectors, so within gaming, we obviously had a pretty turbulent time going through the pandemic with casino closures affecting all global gaming jurisdictions. The US market rebounded quickly from that. And actually since then, the US has continued to see historic high levels of demand from players for these machines. And that's continued through 2022 and into 2023. And really, you know, the US is a strong story of recovery and improvement in demand. In Europe, um, we saw a much more muted recovery, uh, and that was really because many European countries continued to have um, restrictions in place, which meant that the casino revenue through 2021 and 2022 was much more muted. But actually, that really recovered very quickly uh, towards the end of last year and actually now is back at sort of the levels uh, pre-pandemic uh, with an expected sort of continuation of growth. 
The Asian market just really focused for us. The Asian market is a very important gambling market uh, just for, the, for, for, for our business because of the number of slots that are located there. It's not quite so um, important in terms of the volume of machines that are installed that we can participate in. However, um, the, the Asian market also is now starting to see the recovery uh, in demand uh, following the sort of the very tight restrictions that were in place in places like Macau. So all of that sort of backdrop around the broader market has meant we've seen continued good demand for our products. And that's what's driven this growth in unit volumes to 26,000, up 14% year on year. And we've seen particular strengths of demand for our low-cost IQ and mid-range ICON products. Uh, and these different products, and the top end of those is the QMAX product range. These different product ranges are very broadly at the same margin profile. It's more about the ASP that they're sold at. And certain markets, so for example, the LATAM market or, or the amusement with prize market, which is what you see in, in places like UK pubs, they wouldn't be able to tolerate the price point of something like a QMAX because it's just too expensive for the total bill of materials of the machine. So that's where our low cost IQ range would be very well suited towards that. And we've, we've um, you know, now got further investment going into that, which refreshes that pipeline of products for IQ and ICON to move on to an Intel core architecture. Uh, and that's something which we'll have completed by the middle of 2024, which means we now have a fully Intel product range. And that supports penetration further of the, the addressable market. We also commenced mass production shipments, as Johan said, of the first gaming cabinets in the first half of the year. And we're expecting further shipments into the second half. And we've got a healthy pipeline of business for those gaming cabinet products. And indeed, the gaming computer pipeline is also healthy. And with this newly refreshed product portfolio, uh, we see good opportunities for uh, further new business conversion uh, within the gaming sector. Coming on to broadcast, we have seen a ramp of new customers during the first half, which has driven the double-digit year-on-year growth. And those new customers have been ones that we've won over the last few years. And that, we believe, will continue now, particularly as we start to get our control solutions deployed into mass production product. That kind of is a marketing tool for us to get further customer wins. Because once one customer in the market sees their competitor having one of our products installed within it, it allows a sort of a commencement or a cascade of opportunity uh, within those. And we've got a, a show coming up uh, in a couple of weeks' time in Amsterdam, which is called IBC, the International Broadcast Convention. Uh, and at that show, we'll have customers with, with some of the first mass production products incorporating our solutions in it. And, and what we're excited to see is how that drives lead generation at that show. So broadcasting, good, um, you know, good outlook in terms of demand. And we've also seen robust trading from the IDS software business. So that's something because of the nature of the requirement of being installed into broadcast production control rooms, the IDS software business was heavily affected when we were going through the pandemic because we weren't able to physically go into site to do these installs. But actually that's recovered well coming into this year. And we're now seeing that operating at sort of record levels within the, the IDS software platform. And we've made the investments as I described earlier into further sales and product support, which drives conversion of the sales pipeline. On the sort of the other sectors that we supply the display components to, we've seen a decline in demand. And that's really amid a sort of a broader economic weakness. Customers have been less confident in their future. They entered the year, I think, with more optimism around demand. And they've been going through a destocking process. And I think there is also a more broad, weaker level of business confidence. 
Uh, and we've also actively focused on higher margin business uh, within that uh, sector. And that's what's driving this uh, margin performance within, within Densitron. So very broadly, in terms of sort of sector trading, gaming, um, a good first half uh, with, with um, you know, good outlook uh, supported by a solid end market. Broadcast started to see ramp up now with new customers, uh, and that's driving the growth we're seeing. Display components, you know, going through the sort of the real symptoms of economic uh, weakness that we're seeing more broadly, uh, but, but at uh, better margins than, than it's seen historically. So in terms of the growth strategy I mentioned earlier, so we identify target verticals in which we can win, which the customers would benefit from an outsourced provider. And there's a poorly met need with the existing technology vendors. We then seek to acquire in those markets. We undertake R&D to address those customer technology challenges, penetrate up the value chain, and sometimes we will undertake m and And all of that um, is, is leveraging what we have as a pedigree in hardware design and software development and an Asian supply network, which has proven to be so powerful going through the supply challenges we had over the last couple of years. And we've made good progress in all of these aspects of the growth strategy over the first half. So within identification, we are now well underway within our broadcast business of driving that forward. We've made the adequate investments and we're now looking at sort of the process of identifying adjacent industrial PC markets, which sit around the technology that we developed for gaming on where we could deploy that uh, and drive a sort of a broader sector base for those industrial PC products. We've also been successful in acquiring customers through the year and converting those. And we've had some orders for early in the second half of the year, which is sort of, you know, conversion of that pipeline into real revenues. And, you know, we're excited to see where that goes going forward. And then on R&D, we've continued investment into that, particularly around the IQ and Icon gaming platforms. We also launched the QMAX platform and have customers uh, entering mass production in the second half of this year for that. So now a fully Intel pipeline. And we've been now working on penetrating the broadcast customers further up the value chain. So taking them from where they started, which was a display component sale, to now being a fully populated control surface, which incorporates some of these value add components, which we've talked about. And with that sort of you know enhanced cash position that we uh, now have, uh, it puts us into a great platform for further M&A to accelerate this diversification of revenue um, in, into other sectors beyond gaming, whilst that grows organically. So in terms of outlook, we're expecting revenues for the full year to be broadly in line with the previous year. That is a really solid result, given the sort of the broader macro factors that we're seeing. We're seeing a continued normalization of customer inventory levels, but despite that, we're driving that sort of revenue in line with prior and sort of got this more diversified book of business. And that's also in the context of focus on higher quality revenues, particularly around the Densitron display components business. That sort of revenue broad in line, however, is uh, with a structurally higher um, uh, operating margin. So through gross margins being improved and, and through um, keeping the, the cost base managed through that, we're seeing a structural enhancement in operating profit margins uh, combined with a strong operating cash generation, which has enhanced our net cash position. And we expect that to continue uh, going through the year as well. So all in all, uh, combined, we believe that there are, you know, despite the broader macro factors within the economy, which, of course, we keep well monitored, we believe the company has strong growth opportunities in the medium term. Uh, we have a strong balance sheet, which allows us to uh, take advantage of acquisition opportunities and that we are well positioned to deliver sustainable long term growth of the group in a more diversified sector mix. So that's the uh, that's a formal presentation. I'd be very happy to take any questions anybody's got.
and we'll go to James Wood at Canaccord. Um, so a couple of questions for me. Um, the first around gross margins. Um, so I'm just wondering um, within the gross margin increase, um, what how much is how much of that's really being driven by the supply chain easing um, versus um, versus the, the you know any increased mix? And then um, as a follow up to that, I guess um, where do you think gross margins can can end up over the medium term um, given the structural shift that you're seeing? Uh, and then um, a, a different question, uh, more around kind of the investment um, that's going into broadcast sales and engineering. Um, just wondered if you could provide some some colour on on the level of investment that's gone in there, uh, and and kind of uh, you know some thoughts really on how how long before that starts to contribute. So I'll, I'll pick up a bit of this and, and yeah. hand over to you. So, yeah. so just on on the margins. So um, sort of going through the story of what we've done over the last few years. So in in twenty twenty one. Um, when we when we entered into this sort of um, real crunch on electronic components, we saw price hikes on on all input costs really across the board, uh, be it anything from metal to semiconductors to to you know passive resistors and capacitors. So everything got more expensive, uh, and we were then sort of fighting against a rising tide as we saw these input costs going to try and pass on those price rises to customers. And we we saw through 2021 um, and and the beginning of 2022 the the sort of the softer gross margins um, as a result of that and really that softer gross margin was because the price increases that we affected took a, took a period of time to propagate through the the profit and loss because we had actually very very extended order books uh, through that year because customers were desperately placing orders with us to to try and make sure they safeguarded stock so so as those price rises have started to propagate through the the order book even without input costs going down you saw a an improvement in our gross margin or a recovery in our gross margin towards previous levels we we haven't um generally speaking taken any cost savings to customers at this stage because we still have some persistently high um input costs and in, in some components um, I know there's a lot in the sort of the press about consumer market recovery and consumer market easing in pricing. Uh, that is true in certain cases in industrial markets. So there are commodity parts like memory that has eased considerably. There are also parts, however, that have, have remained persistently high in price uh, and also indeed some parts which continue to be at very extended lead time. So typically component lead times were sort of six to eight weeks. There are parts still that are plus 20 plus weeks and, and that's not normal. That's not what we saw pre-21. So, so pricing in some parts of the industrial markets has remained uh, persistently high. Uh, and as a result of that, we have been you know, not looking to uh, pass on any savings to customers. So as it stands today, uh, structurally, we are at a higher gross margin than, than we were in the past. Although realizing some of that structural margin improvement would require some easing of the component costs further from where we are, from where we are today. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've said, you know, all along is we, we aren't seeking to profiteer out of um, the, the situation. So we wouldn't want to maintain all of that margin enhancement if we start to see the component costs easing further. Uh, but but I do believe that there is structurally a, a better margin than, than we had in the past. And then the second part of, you know, this is, is within the sort of the and I guess that's sort of principally around the, the gaming story. The second part of the margin improvement is around the sort of the Densitron story. And there's a mixed point in this, which is we are now, as, as you can see, growing broadcast quicker than the broader Densitron book. That mixed point is driving margins up because the broadcast sector products are higher value products. Uh, but also within Densitron, we have looked at the book of business and, and, and we are being persistent about where our pricing is. 
Um, and that sort of focus on higher quality of revenues means that that's got a, a structurally better margin than it had uh, in the past. And, and that's been driven by these, these price increases we also did within that book of business. And we'll be, you know, not looking to, to um, go back to a world where we're just chasing revenue without, um, you know, good profitability behind that revenue. So I think, you know, that the story goes as, as, you know, there is opportunity for further margin improvement from this. Um, the extent to which that occurs will depend a little bit on where our uh, input stock prices go uh, and how component parts move. Uh, but, um, you know, the margin mix point and the sort of the structural price increases that we've, we've pushed on uh, will, will, will largely stay uh, as they are today. And then on the, um, the investment um, into broadcast? Yeah, so, so so investment into broadcast. So so we've we've invested you know several million dollars into the broadcast sector um, over the last few years. Um, it's something which we sort of built up really from from scratch, uh, without any investment actually, because a lot of the sort of the, the work that was going on to that was happening through years where the company couldn't afford to be putting in um, investment into the sector. Um, so we've we've put several million dollars of investment into it. Um, and uh, we've also, um, you know, as, as, as one of the slides in the appendix points out, we've also leveraged um, group engineering resources now across both gaming and broadcast and, and the broader um, display component markets so that we have a common engineering base. And that meant that the sort of the, the expansion now beyond this of, or, or deployment of what we've already built is possible without further, you know, cost increases because we've now got that shared engineering base within the business. But the the, the point I made, you know, at the start about how we look at things, domain knowledge, the sort of the sector expertise, the product expertise within broadcast, we've had to build up, and um, and and now we've sort of got a platform in which we believe that allows us to to you know win the customers and to then service those customers with product, uh, with the with the um, infrastructure we've got within the business. And we've got a question from Michael Hill at FinCap. Did I check on the gaming cabinet side? Is it mainly existing or new customers that you've been speaking to on some of the new orders coming up? And for the new customers, would it be ones you haven't, you wouldn't have spoken to without a turnkey solution being there? Yes. So so on on the gaming cabinets, um, the the cabinet win that we we announced um, in RNS last year was Pilot Games. Uh, Pilot Games was an all-new customer, so we've never supplied them anything in the past. And um, you know, to answer your question, would we have got that with or without the cabinets? I suspect that winning without the cabinets would have been extremely difficult um, because the markets that they're supplying into are price sensitive. Um, and um, I think in terms of the the computer products that we were certainly at the pricing that we were at last year, given the inflation in component costs, I think it would have been very difficult to be able to con- convert that business without having a higher value sale. So, so the first customer we had was an all new piece of business. Um, and, um, you know, as, as we've said, that was uh, mass production revenues in the first half of the year and further into the second half of the year. Um, we are targeting other customers, um, some of whom are existing um, with, um, with, with the cabinet products. And that's an upsell of the computer platforms that we're supplying. Um, so so the, 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 the book of uh, or the pipeline of business that we've got is, is a mix of upsell of existing customers and all new um, sort of all new customers that we've never spoken to before in the past that we're now uh, supplying revenues to. Um, And I can also check on acquisitions. Are there any particular verticals that you're looking at and also any rough ranges in terms of revenue or what multiples could potentially look like for, for any possible targets? So, so, so I can answer sort of partly answer the first one of those 
Um, and that is that the uh, in terms of you know markets that we look at, um, it would certainly be a market where we um, see some of the same characteristics as we have in gaming. So we don't want to go into commoditized markets. We want to go into markets where there's a degree of regulation or you know certification required in order to um, in, in order to differentiate from the broader up market offerings. And also where you know the sort of the supply dynamics are such that you need to have um, a length or uh, sort of supply lifetime, which is sort of multi-year rather than just something which is sort of you know it's it's a sort of sell it and, and go product. So I think the the you know, the gaming market had those characteristics. There are other markets you know which which have them. The medical market stands out as one um, which we've which we've got a fairly significant amount of business in today already. Um, so, so other markets like that would fit would fit well into that uh, mix, and with the sort of the industrial PC background that we've got, you know, around that, it gives us a good platform to to you know um, to, to to target those markets. Um, you know, in terms of sort of multiples and sizing, so you know, you you, you can see our our you know our financials and analysing much better than I can in terms of what what we could be looking at and what would be affordable and and indeed you've got a good knowledge of the multiples in the market that are that are secure that are uh, you know available on, on on acquisitions but um you know one of the things that i think you know i would point out to that is the board historically has always been um you know conservative about its use of of debt um and it's not to say we haven't had net debt in the past we have um and we we use debt to fund finance the acquisition of densitron in 2015 uh, but certainly we're not a board which has uh, an aggressive attitude towards usage of debt. Um, and uh, and so, you know, whatever we did acquire would be at sort of conservative borrowing limits um, and we'd have good, you know, coverage of that um, debt to service it. And there's a question from Simon Strong at Equity Development. Are you seeing any early signs of Chinese consumer confidence weakening at your customers in terms of lower footfall at casinos? So, so far, no. Um, I mean, just taking the um, our, our biggest market is the US um, uh, by, by revenue, and um, just taking the um, the casino revenue prints that we're seeing, there is no evidence that play, the players are spending less uh, in casinos than they did last year or, or, or you know pre-pandemic. Indeed, so um, at the moment there is no sign of of a slowing of of um, demand for these these slots. And so, um, provided that continues, um, we expect to see continued, um, you know, continued consumption of, of, you know, of our products as they look to refresh these machines. Um, the the gaming market more broadly has has been quite resilient in economic, surprisingly resilient, I'd say, in, in economic uh, weakness. Um, and so, you know, whilst the the COVID effects were very pronounced on it for, for obvious reasons, it wasn't a normal. Um, economic event that that was about sort of restrictions and and, and a lack of people going out to entertainment venues um, sort of with with more broad normal economic weakness the gaming market's usually fairly resilient great thank you very much and that's the end of questions do you have any closing remarks so i think you know hopefully you you, you, you um come away with the same sort of feelings we have with the business which is first half you know it was, was a decent period uh, the enhancements in profitability uh, which we've promised now for several reporting periods have, have, have you know, continued to gather steam. And now we're back at sort of former levels 
of, of profitability with, with what we believe to be sort of, you know, over time more to come. Uh, the, the the revenue um, is is now, uh, despite the sort of the broader uh, macro factors, as, as is expected to be in line with, um, with, with prior year, uh, but with, you know, plenty of pipeline prospects for growth uh, going forward. So ultimately, we believe the company is really well positioned for you know, a sustainable growth story and really importantly, a, a, a sustainable growth story with a more diversified revenue mix than the company's seen in the past. And we've made many of the steps necessary to be able to do that and now have furthermore, you know, this, this balance sheet that allows us to take advantage of acquisitions um, as, as companies become, uh, become you know, a, available to us in order to execute on. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.